You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 110. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start by talking dividend stocks, and specifically dividend growth stocks, why they are right for your portfolio, particularly in this environment. And we intro a new webinar dedicated specifically to this topic. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a look at two interesting companies. The first, Transalta Renewables, symbol RNW on the TSX, a renewable independent power producer, with the stock paying a 6.3% dividend yield. A listener asks us if the dividend itself is sustainable and the growth potential for the business going forward. Our second Your Stock, Our Take is on CloudMD Software and Services, Inc., symbol DOC on the TSX Venture, a company which is helping digitize the delivery of healthcare by providing patients access to all their points of care from their phone, tablet, or desktop computer. Telemedicine applications are hot right now, and a listener asks us whether CloudMD's revenue growth is leading to strong profit growth as well. We'll let you know how this small cap is progressing. Now, I'd like to welcome Aaron and Brennan, my co-hosts. How are you guys doing? Good. Good morning. Doing great, guys. Nice to, Good to, uh, see. Nice to yeah. be here with you. The temperature is certainly warming up, and we're seeing uh, that warm up in North American markets as well as they heat up and the general market valuations uh, get to some relatively high levels, particularly in some uh, segments. But there are a couple of segments or categories of, uh, that we continue to be positive on, on over the long term. One general category, not every stock that's in this category that we will discuss today, is uh, dividend stocks and dividend growth stocks. And for the first time ever, Aaron Dunn will be hosting a live dividend growth stock focused webinar on July 28th. And we'd like to announce that today. And I think I just did. So the question always becomes, why are we doing this, Aaron? Why are we doing this? That question comes to you all the time. Well, as anybody who's been following our our research for, for any amount of time knows, um, dividend growth stock investing has been a, a, a key part of our long-term strategy. We've always advised people that to build a robust portfolio that can do well in a variety of different market environments, uh, you really need to utilize dividend growth stocks. And the data is is out there over time. These types of companies, these dividend growers, um, outperform the non-dividend payers on average, but they also do it with significantly less risk and they're paying that attractive and growing income stream in the mid in the midterm as well. So um, there are a lot of opportunities in the space. We believe that a lot of investors are underexposed to it. And 
just with our with our DIYs in general, our DIY seminars in general, it's really about focusing on the 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 simple basic principles that people can um, can employ into their own portfolios to make you know the best possible investment decisions and get the best possible results. Identifying good opportunities, identifying investment ideas that could potentially lose the money so that they can avoid those, and just building a portfolio that can do well over time regardless of what happens uh, to, the, to the economy over the next 6 to 12 months. So that's, um, that's always exciting to me because, of course, dividend growth investing is an area that I've been focused on with Keystone for about 12 years now, very passionate about it, and we're also very passionate about investor education and setting people up for success. So combining these two into a, into a webinar, I, I think is a great thing and hoping to see a lot of our, our podcast listeners there. And I, I mean, another thing, of course, is that with where interest rates are right now, it is extremely difficult to get yield and income in your portfolio in the traditional way. So uh, government Yeah, bonds, without, without a doubt. I mean, you got bonds, GIC, savings accounts paying less than 1%. Uh, just high quality dividend not even, stocks. Not even covering inflation, basically. So no, you're actually no. so getting a negative you, real return. As far and as you I'm look concerned. at our dividend stock research, many of them 3 to 7% or higher in some cases. Uh, these are your best options near and long term to grow, to create some cash flow, but also just to grow your wealth. Uh, if you're looking at retirement or if you're just building for retirement, you need income or you just want to grow that reinvest those dividends over time it's a great way to build a portfolio so uh and like aaron said the reason we look at this is not you know is because they vastly outperform the data is there uh if you look at you know i'm just going to quote some stats here non-dividend stocks on average on the toronto ex- stock exchange have a paltry 0.4 percent annualized return for 33 years now, dividend-paying stocks have crushed this at 9.2% annually. Why we look at dividend growth stocks? Because they're best of breed, 11.1% each year versus, like we said, go back to those non-dividend payers at 0.4% each year. So that's one of the major reasons we're put, we talk about dividend growth stocks all the time. We try to hammer it into investors' heads. Um, and we're holding this seminar on web, uh, webinar sorry, on July 28th. Now, it sounds like an infomercial a bit. It gets better here, but it, it's just math. Um, all, not only do these dividend growth stocks significantly outperform, they do it with less risk. Less risk than companies that are non-dividend payers, dividend cutters, and even the, just the TSX index itself. That's why they're best of breed. That's why we look at dividend growth stocks. Better returns, less volatility. And there's many examples over the years Brookfield Infrastructure. Uh, why I quote this company is because people look at uh, dividend payers and they think of them as stodgy old investments that you, you know you get paid, you clip a coupon, that's all you get paid. It's decent. You have an okay return over time. Well, if you look at Brookfield, uh, since we recommended it uh, at fourteen dollars and fifty cents, it's paid our clients almost twenty dollars Canadian in dividends. And the shares trade today just under $60. So that return is 446% plus. And you know, that is not that is an absolutely sexy return. You don't have to have the most sexy stock out there or a dividend growth stock. It is a tremendous return in your portfolio. And that's why we look at these. They can grow your wealth over the long term, and that's what we're trying to do. Growing your wealth 
with less risk that I mean, you know, sign me up if I can do that at any point. And that's why, you know, why we look at that as a core to your portfolio. It, it's quite astonishing that like with Brookfield, you know, you invested at uh, $14 and you're literally getting more dividends back uh, than the initial purchase price. I think that that's just amazing. My personal portfolio, it's not that big. I usually just like getting dividends to maybe, you know, cover my commission costs, uh, at least for the time being. Um, but it is crazy, you know, almost $20 uh, in dividends. It's almost unheard of. Yeah, and Brookfield's not the only name. That's the thing. Like, there's companies like Boyd that have grown their dividend over time. I mean, it's it share price is greatly appreciated, but it's paid us more than we originally invested in it back in dividends and distributions over the past ten years. You know, Algonquin is getting close to that, is it not, Aaron? Like, you know, these there's many companies. Uh, you know, there. <laughs> I say many. It is a select few, but that is what we're looking for. I mean, you're if you but can they get are that, out there. they are out there, and there's some sitting there today in the market that um, you know will over the next ten years pay us back what we bought them for in dividends and have tremendous capital appreciation. That's what we're looking for for clients today, and you know that's Aaron will talk about that in the seminar, and you're, he's going to talk. I mean, Aaron, not to toot his horn. You know, we try not to do that too much here, but Aaron is one of the foremost experts on dividend stocks, dividend growth stocks in the country. And I think it behooves you to go out there and listen to the seminar. I think it would be a great seminar to listen to. Um, he's also going to discuss, um, he's going to compare bonds to di- or dividend growth stocks. He's going to look at the landscape for dividend growth stocks in Canada and the U.S., including how many companies pay dividends, what sectors, what is the range of yields being offered. You're also going to learn and about um, what sectors are most suitable to pay dividends and grow their dividends over time. Um, and again, we're going to talk about two or three select dividend stocks that you can put in your portfolio today. So that's all we're going to talk about that seminar. I think it's a, you know, it's a worthwhile attending. And, and Brennan, you were going to ask too, uh, we are talking about this just before we went on to this podcast. Uh, we get a lot of questions about some energy stocks and their dividends right now, right? You were going to ask. Yeah, question. yeah, I was going to say that. So, you know, of course, you know, I've always got BNN on the background, and uh, we keep telling oil... you to turn it off, but you just yeah, of course, I'm of kidding. Course. It's good to have. It on. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, when oil went went down, uh, you know, a few months back there, you know, there's probably a question a day basically on Vermilion Energy and you know its attractive yield, but I, I think that that's like. The, the key thing here is it's not just like dividend. You, you can't just go out into the market and buy any dividend growth stock. Um, you know, Aaron's going to take you through the landscape of what is attractive and, and what uh, what you should avoid. Um, and again, yeah, you certainly don't want to chase yield, right? Like you don't exactly. want to see a 12 percent yield and go after it. And you, yeah, it's exactly what you don't want to do. And you don't want to. I mean, sustainability of a dividend over time, and and Aaron will talk about what sectors lend themselves to that more and what sectors. And we, you know, energy is a sector where, you know, you're beholden to the underlying commodity and uh, many of them pay dividends. But, uh, you know, I would just generally speaking, I consider them a bonus if you're looking at those companies because the, you know, we've seen many just cut over time, cut, cut, cut. So, yeah, it's hard. And I've said many times too, I don't like particularly for the mid, mid-size uh, oil and gas producers, I don't like the dividend model for them. Uh, the reason for that is because it's such a capital intensive yeah. business. It's a high risk business. 
You don't know how much money you're going to be making in the future. You have to um, you have to invest a lot of cash flow into the ground in order to maintain and grow production. Um, and of course, commodity prices are impossible to really predict. So it's it just doesn't lend itself well to the dividend model. Although many mid-sized Canadian producers do continue to pay um, dividends, I, I believe many have cut now. But um, the the essentially what they're they're doing is they have to then uh, issue shares and increase their debt in order to maintain those dividends, and that's not that's not what we consider sustainable. Uh, div- dividend growth or, or just a, a su- sustainable dividend. Uh, we want to see companies that have better visibility that are able to, you know, they can invest in the business that may in some cases like in, in infrastructure require some debt, require some equity, but they have far better v- visibility with respect to what their cash flows are going to be in the future. Uh, and that is that that's the better model. And, and that segues nicely probably into our first Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. And we'll look at a company that has a better, uh, more predictable cash flow going forward. That would be TransAlta Renewables, RNW on the TSX. Uh, a renewable, independent renewable energy producer, power producer. Aaron, you... You have the your stock our take on that. Yes, yes. So uh, this was an email from Dean. Um, he said I was wondering about your analysis on Transalta Renewables going forward for growth and sustainable dividend. So Transalta Renewables, uh, the symbol is R N W on the TSX. It trades for just under fifteen dollars right now, and it's a four billion market cap company. So they are a renewable independent power producer headquartered here in Canada. The company's assets consist of interests in 23 wind facilities, 13 hydroelectric facilities, seven natural gas facilities, one solar facility, and one natural gas pipeline. And their proportional interest in all of these assets is about 2,500 megawatts of generating capacity. Their assets are also uh, diversified in Canada, the United States, and Australia. So Transalta Renewables was originally a spin-off from Transalta Corporation back in 2013. We picked up coverage on the company in our income stock research shortly after it became public, and we exited our position about two years later uh, after earning a nice gain of about 30% as well as the dividend payments. Today, the company yields 6.3%. This is an attractive yield, but we haven't seen the company increase its dividend since 2017. Our rationale for exiting the company back in 2016 was that there wasn't much growth on the horizon. The stock price had had risen and we we saw an opportunity to lock in those profits and move the capital to other names that provided both income and growth. And Transalta renewable stock price hasn't really done much since that time, which was about four years ago. So looking at the recent financial results uh, for the first quarter of 2020, financial performance was generally flat year over year. Adjusted EBITDA of 118 million compared to 116 million in the first quarter of 2019. Distributable cash flow per share was 34 cents compared to 35 cents last year. And performance in 2019 was essentially a similar story. Adjusted EBITDA was 438 million compared to 430 million in the previous year. And distributable cash flow per share was $1.11 compared to $1.15 in the previous year. 
The company does have a strong balance sheet with very reasonable debt leverage ratios. The payout ratio is okay at about 85% of distributable cash flow. Ideally, we'd like to see them reduce this to under 80%. And over the past 12 months, they've reported distributable cash flow of about $1.10, which puts the, the valuation at about 13 times. With respect to the outlook, there are two new projects which were brought on, online in the previous quarter and the company is looking to do acquisitions going forward. However, there doesn't appear to be anything significant planned which would really accelerate growth in the near term. The question on the company was specifically about the sustainability of the dividend and the future growth. So with respect to the dividend, we do believe that it is relatively sustainable. Clearly, no corporate dividend is risk-free, uh, but TransAlta Renewables does have a healthy balance sheet. The payout ratio is at a reasonable level and the cash flow is generally supported by longer term contracts. So we don't see any major reasons to be concerned about the dividend at this time. Growth is another matter. As I said, our rationale for exiting the company years back was due to the lack of growth and it doesn't appear that the prospects have improved much since then with generally flat financial performance over the past year and no big development projects or acquisitions on the horizon. So in conclusion, to answer the question, we continue to see TransAlta Renewables as a nice source of dividend income, but we don't consider it to be a growth stock. And for that reason, it's not likely something that we're going to add back to our research anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think that provides a good summary uh, for what we're looking for. Uh, RNW may be right for some portfolios, but, you know, we... and. In that seminar, we reflect back to that. Aaron's going to talk about why we like dividend growth stocks versus just companies that are, you know, pay their dividend and uh, not growing to the level that we would like to see, and how and how that growth in terms of the underlying business can drive the dividend going forward. Grow that dividend, grow the business through reinvestment, and I think you know if we saw more of that at Transalta. Aaron might be a little more interested. We might be a little more interested in that business. So let's move on to our second Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. It comes in from Simon via email, CloudMD Software and Services, Inc., symbol DOC on the TSX Venture. Brennan, you want to take that? Yes, sir. So yeah, Doc was trading initially on the Canadian Securities Exchange a few months ago, but it just, I guess you could say uplisted to the TSX Venture. Um, so it's currently right now trading at a price of 62 cents and has a market cap of $57.7 million. Now, CloudMD Software and Services Inc. is digitizing the delivery of healthcare by providing patients access to all points of their care from their phone, tablet, or desktop computer. The company offers SaaS-based health technology solutions to medical clinics across Canada through the combination of connected primary care clinics, telemedicine, and uh, artificial intelligence. So some key points here. Uh, looking at the company's past share price performance, Following the outbreak of COVID-19, the stock surged roughly 100% from where it was trading at around 45 cents. But over the last couple of months, uh, this enthusiasm has faded and the stock has uh, essentially erased these gains. Now, the company has been primarily growing through acquisition 
And in recent news, it actually announced that it planned to acquire a medical clinic uh, in Ontario, uh, which uses online booking and telemedicine. So I just kind of wanted to, I thought that was interesting that they're actually, you know, uh, getting a, uh, a medical clinic. So looking at the company's recent financial results, this is for Q1 of 2020, uh, revenue was up 178% to $3.06 million uh, compared to the same quarter last year. Revenue from SaaS digital services increased 77% to $427,000, uh, driven by organic growth. Um, but you, know, you should be... Uh, a little hesitant here as this revenue growth might appear impressive, but it is important to understand that it is uh, growing from a very small base of revenue. And then looking at adjusted EBITDA, uh, it was a loss of 914000 compared to a loss of 917000 for the same period last year. And net loss per share came in at a loss of $0.02 cents per share, which was the same for Q1 of 2019. Now our take here. COVID-19 has likely accelerated the technological shift for telemedicine, so it is positive that CloudMD will be able to benefit from this advancement. Uh, and this is you know, a key point that actually uh, Ryan and Aaron made in uh, one of our past seminars is just how COVID-19 has uh, you know, accelerated some technological change. But of course, something to keep in mind here is that the barriers to entry into this telemedicine space are relatively low. Uh, so competition is expected to remain high, in my opinion. Uh, as I mentioned before, the company has been growing primarily through acquisition, which considering it is not generating a profit, it will either have to continue to issue shares or raise additional debt in order to continue its growth path, uh, which could come at a cost, of course, to current shareholders. Just looking at the dilution over the past year, the company's share float has increased over 50% to 110 million shares outstanding, and it currently has net debt of $1.96 million on its balance sheet. So considering you know it's not making a profit, that's uh, not too attractive. Uh, and since the company is neither making a profit nor posting positive EBITDA, to get a relative valuation of the company, we must value it based off of its sales. With that being said, uh, the company has a trailing enterprise value to sales multiple of approximately 6.8 times, which is pretty pricey. We would like to see this multiple priced in the range of one to three times before we would consider the company priced relatively attractive. So to conclude here, although revenue growth is occurring in unison with the company's dilution, uh, it is difficult to determine uh, whether this growth strategy is proving accretive. And considering it remains profitless, it is not a stock that we would recommend. It is not to say that this company will not do good going forward, but I believe there are much better technological healthcare companies to invest in. Something that I also wanted to add here uh, was that after doing my due diligence on the company, I came across a few ads on Facebook and Instagram. I promise Ryan and Aaron, I wasn't slacking. But uh, I came across a few ads on Facebook and Instagram promoting the company's investor relations page. Uh, so you can tell that you know they picked up that I was on their site and on their investor relations page. Uh, and then they were reserving me an ad on, on Facebook, you know, wanting me to almost invest. Uh, so clearly here you can see that the company is in promotion mode, uh, trying to promote their stock to anybody who you know, does come across their investor relations page. 
And, you know, just a key point that I want to make here is that something that Ryan and Aaron have taught me is that finding companies uh, that are not necessarily promoting, but are just doing a solid job of growing their business and letting investors uncover the business themselves uh, is always a a great thing to to invest or or to do uh, and invest in for the long term. Yeah, that's a good point. Brennan and and one thing that I'll say is that we we always like to see a company have a good communication strategy with investors but we find that the more legitimate companies aren't the ones that are out there typically running a lot of ads um, they're they're more just willing to talk to analysts willing to go to some conferences and talk to investors and getting some eyes on the story so that when they do come out with good, strong results, there's going to be people there to see it. So that's what we like to see. But there's definitely, and I'm not saying it's it's this company. I don't know how what what their promotional strategy really looks like. But certainly, when companies are highly promotional to investors, um, it can be a little bit of a red flag because we really want to see the vast majority. I mean, 95% of the focus has got to be on growing that business. Um, but clearly. Telehealth, uh, digital health, like this is a space that we, you know, we're looking at. We want to be able to invest in it. But it's uh, when you have a company with only, you know, a few million in revenue and no profitability, they haven't proven that they have the technology and that they have the the products that are going to grow long term. Yeah, there, there's certainly good revenue growth here. I mean, 178 percent revenue growth in Q1 to three, just over three million. Uh, the SaaS or software as a service, the more uh, sustainable growth and, and the more predictable going forward was up 77%, but it's still a very low base of that $3 million. Uh, it's only 427000 uh, in the quarter. Now, good organic growth, they say, which is good to see, but they're still losing just you know on an even adjusted EBITDA basis in the range of just under a million dollars. So if they're going to use that strategy to grow by acquisition, like Brennan said, it is a tightrope you have to walk uh, between issuing shares and trying to do that accretively and accretively increasing cash flow on a per share basis over time. Now, there isn't cash flow here, so it's hard to value it. They're trying, you can see, to get towards that, but they're not close to that at this stage. And uh, if you keep having to you know, increase the share count 50%, uh, each year, uh, it is difficult to, on a per share basis, get accretion to cash flow and earnings. And we'll see if CloudMD can do that over time. We've seen many walk that tightrope and fall off of it. Uh, there's a select few that can do it. And if they can, it can be success- successful, but it is a difficult rope to walk. So that's going to close out our show, our podcast for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for hosting with me. I'd like to also encourage you to keep your questions coming into our Ask Us Anything segment and our Your Stock, Our Take segment. Uh, You can rate us on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up. That would be great anywhere you see us. And uh, we'd like, as always, to tell you to stay safe and profitable investing out there. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.